Hello, PodFam, and welcome to another episode of The Tea with Laura and Rachel. Today, we have a very special returning guest. She is the founder of The Empowered Woman Rises. Welcome back to the show, Preeti. What are you drinking with us tonight? Hey, fam. Hey. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited you're back. I'm so excited to be here. I uh, had a glass of wine earlier, so right now I'm on water. So <gasps> I you should have told us we would have brought wine. <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, it's like, I need that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I will admit, um, before I was drinking tea, I had a uh, little cooler, what we call gin smash. So don't worry. I'm kind of like on your level. Yeah. I'm, just, yeah. I'm also right. now drinking tea. We're vibing now. Okay. We're vibing. <laughs> um, I feel a little left out, but it's it's all right. It's all right. I'm okay. I'm we okay. need to plan better next time. <laughs> yes. Going alcoholic, or are we staying, you know, on the team? <laughs> Definitely. So it's funny. I, I, you know, a while ago, I came across this thing where the Persians, I, I don't know if they still do it, but at least in the olden times, any decision they made, they would make it sober and then they would make it drunk. <laughs> and so, you know, it was, it, it's interesting because it puts you in a different state of mind, right? It's that like cold state of mind versus a hot state of mind. And and I just think that when you're drinking, different conversations come out, different thoughts come out. So it's it's definitely good fuel for, mm-hmm. for talking. So yeah, I, oh, yeah, I would suggest trying it. <laughs> I remember your Taylor Swift episode, and I think you guys were drinking with that. And I could tell <laughs> it was great because it was just like, definitely I love this. I think definitely... Um, your favorite episode of the disaster dates. We were like on one or two drinks in that one. So yeah, we, we love episodes. It was fun. A little tipsy. It was fun. Yeah, I, I could tell you were just like, F this, you know, and yeah. <laughs> actually I can curse on this podcast. So yes. Don't worry. That's why we have the E rating. It's all good. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes you just have to bring that energy to the topic because it's just like so outrageous. But what are you having to drink, Laura? Uh, I am drinking a peppermint tea. Oh my God, so am I. See, I had a feeling you would, so I brought it along as well. Aw. So sweet. (laughs) This is the first time we've like ever matched when we're not sitting together. That's true. That's true. Well, I'm I'm glad that we are matching tonight. It makes me feel connected. We have been so excited about this episode, pretty much counting down the days, one, so we can see you again, but also just we want to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, we both grew up, like, we're born and raised in Canada. We've had that common Canadian growing up experience. And, you know, this was prompted by an episode that you recently did on your show, The Empowered Woman Rises, about your experience with moving out on your own because you know you moved around a lot when you were growing up in so many different places so why don't we start there and you just tell us your story from like childhood to where you are now yeah first of all thank you for having me I'm really excited to be here and I know before this call we were talking about doing a monthly connect and I'm so excited for that um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my story. So I was actually born in Geneva. Oh, okay. And my dad's job took us to a few cool places, Yemen and Denmark and um, 
you know, Iran and India and every place I went to was such an mind opening experience. Experiencing different cultures firsthand, the perspective that it brings to you, to your life, the way you see the world, the way you see people is so incredible because you get to see people for who they are and not what the media we consume portrays them to be. Because, you know, if you were to believe what you see, all Iranian people are evil. But the truth is, Iranian people are some of the most like welcoming and hospitable people, you know, Persians and the government. At the end of the day, like all of the stuff we see, it's government, right? Like even the recent Russia thing, right? Like when you when you get down to it and when you see the stories of the soldiers that are going like they're 18, you know, they don't want to be there. They're afraid. Their parents are scared, but it's the government. So, right. I was just really grateful to have that experience. And as part of that, we came to the United States and it's funny because so the the way, you know, my dad was a diplomat. Um, so he's an ex-diplomat and he's a consultant now, but he got a, like you, you got to pick certain stations. So you got to pick like a station, but then the next station had to be like a B or C, you know, something like that. So you got to switch it up. So this time around, it was the A station. And I remember my we had a choice of going to Canada or the US. And my mom prayed on it because she was just like, I, I don't know. Like both of these are great places. Like, you know, she wanted to make sure we had great opportunities for education. Both my parents did. And she prayed on it and she picked a little ticket and it said America. And so that's kind of how we ended up here. <laughs> We could have been neighbors. <laughs> I know. How old were you when you moved to the States? Oh, God. You're going to make me tell my age. Um, <laughs> Let's see. It was 2004. And I am 33 now. Well, I'll be 33 in a month. So you do. So you do. The <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not good at quick mental 15? math. 15? Like okay. So you were in high 14, school. 15. Yeah, yeah, you would definitely yeah, in high I school. That's, that's about it. Because I, I would have been 12 in 20, 2004. So yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> I, I know. People ask me my age now. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> so 30 plus. You hit 30 something. and you're like, I'm 30. Like, yeah. Just in my 30s. <laughs> yeah. So you came in when you were in kind of high school age. So let's start with talking about school. And with your schooling, what was the expectation that you would say you grew up with? Yeah. So I think there's a couple, oh my gosh, there's so many factors here, but I think one of the things is my parents stressed education a lot. And I truly believe one of the reasons that is we were middle-class. So education is what would help us secure a life for ourselves and, you know, give us opportunities to, to build a successful life. But I think, you know, more than that, what influenced that was my mom, she told me once that when she was, so she, you know, arranged married to my dad and they started looking for a, you know, a relationship for her. And I think she was 20, she was 19, 20 when she got married. And 
she was actually doing her bachelor's at that time. Um, and my grandfather was like, oh, you know, now you're getting married. Like, you don't have to continue your studies. And I think she was heartbroken. And my dad was like, no, I want her to continue. I want her to finish her studies before we get married. And I am really grateful he did because it ended up actually helping her get a job and here in the States. Mm-hmm. And that job is actually my first job out of college. And it's actually where I met my husband and stuff like that. So like, if you look at the chain of events, it's kind of wild how that works out, but they really stressed education, which is cool. My mom never asked me to cook. You know, she was like, just study. Don't worry about anything. Just study. With that though, came a lot of pressure. Right. Um, you know, why aren't you getting like a hundred out of hundred? Yeah, you got a 98, you know, what happened to the other 2%? (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, the competition is really tough, right? We have a huge population. So the competition is like, you could, with, you know, a 0.1 of a difference in a percentage, you could leave, you could lose a seat in a college. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like psychological effects that has. And it, it came out for us, like it was, you know, we studied day and night. Like I remember I'd go to bed very late and then I'd get up and I would study like three hours before the exam too, because it it also then got tied to how I thought my parents cared for me. So if I did well, I got praised Mm -hmm. and it, and it sort of becomes this like unhealthy cycle of validation seeking and, and when you get into that cycle, then later in your life, you're going to be, you know, people pleasers. Well, that's a whole another thing. But it was expected of us to study and to do well. And I am absolutely grateful for it. I just wish the pressure wasn't as much, but I understand where they were coming from. You know, they wanted us to do well and they were living in the society they were in. And we didn't know that we were going to be in America, you know, like we don't know what selection of stations we we get so that's a little bit of a glimpse into that yeah and then Preeti I'm just kind of thinking uh off what you're saying here once you moved to America did did the pressure change at all or did you feel different in American school than your previous school like how how was that transition for you did was it still that same expectation because it was coming from your household that like okay you know maybe you're in a place now that doesn't like okay values grades but it doesn't come from a more cultural it's more from like an internal pressure I find with with uh, kids in America like we create the pressure mm-hmm. on ourselves versus like the external um so did you notice a shift in that at all no <laughs> um <laughs> I was definitely still expected to do well a b was not acceptable a c wasn't acceptable you know, we moved away from the Indian ranking system in classes. So like you had people were first, second, third grade or rank in the class. And this was, this was like public. Yeah. Wow. And that that just, I I don't know, maybe there are some schools out there in North America that do that, but. Oh no, this was a public school. Like you would not have your students. Uh, Oh, sorry. This was in India. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Um, No, 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 sorry. I'm just, I'm just comparing. um, Oh, comparing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. 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 To like a North American school. It's, it's always just like, oh, no, it was public. It was great. It's right. Like, 
people would get into like the teacher's faces about like I don't think you scored you know you graded her paper well enough and like she should definitely get more points and I would <laughs> my parents would look at my my mark sheet and like send me back and be like no you should advocate you should have gotten more points again because the uh-huh. competition is so tough you know yeah mm-hmm. and but like the pressure on kids is really really bad there's a movie called three idiots it's actually a really funny movie it's a great movie that kind of gives a glimpse into the Indian education system if you have a chance mm-hmm. highly recommend it's like one of my favorite movies and it's definitely something like I've shown it to my husband and he's enjoyed it too so um the expectation didn't change also because even schools here you know universities are looking at your GPAs they're looking at extracurricular. And in fact, I think I found the pressure to be greater here because not only now I had to do my schoolwork, but then I also had to be a well-rounded person. Mm-hmm. So I had to be doing extra stuff. And that was hard. Um, it was hard, like a mental shift also to be like, okay, now I need to be doing this because I didn't grow up with that expectation but it was also hard to balance. Okay. I'm new in the country. I want to try to like fit in the society here and I want to do well because, you know, yes, my parents want me to do well, but I also want to do well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then there's this thing about, okay, well, if I want to stay here, because that conversation started coming too. our, our, you know, my dad's posting three, three years. So, Mm -hmm at the end of three years, what would happen, you know, and if I wanted to stay here, well, then I needed to do well to go to school here. So I could, Mm -hmm. you know, all things like that. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I think in fact, it increased because my parents are now thinking about, okay, if you're going to stay here, if we're going to be spending, because I would be an international student. Yes. And so, yeah, the rate, like the, the cost of university when you're an international student, it's like, 10 times yeah, that of a, right? of a domestic student. And so they're doing all this cost benefit analysis. I mean, I don't blame them. I really don't. <laughs> I just <laughs> wish it was a little easier. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's things that they did that set us up for success in our life now. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do the same things with my kids. Yeah. And just as you were kind of talking about now, you had to be that well-rounded student because as you were saying, you know, it was all about the academics, the academics. And I was thinking of the um, equivalent in North America, and I almost want to put it on like the extracurriculars, especially the athletics, you know, Rachel and I both kind of grew up in competitive athletic worlds. And we saw parents like that's where they put the pressure Mm -hmm. on their children. So I just I found it so interesting that like, yes, there are parents that will always have pressure on academics. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're almost like reversed where it's it's like you need to be in music, you need to play soccer, you need to do ballet, yeah. you need to do this tennis, you know, everything yeah. instead of that, that main focus. So either way, like in either society, you know, yeah. kids are being put through all this mental strain and mm-hmm. it doesn't leave room for kids to be kids right? Like, you know, yeah. where was your play? Where was just your yeah. hanging out with friends, right? Yeah, you know, SATs, like all yeah. of those things. And it's interesting because 
when I was younger, I remember watching American movies like my dad would, you know, and um, I'd watch along with him and like, you know, you see kids on their bikes and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, oh, we're going to go to the mall and we're just going to hang out and all. And like, I had this picture in my mind of what kids would do. And yes, yeah, some of that happened. But what I also saw here, because I lived with my cousin briefly, like, you know, kids here, even high school, like even middle school, when kids mm-hmm. are working until like seven, eight o'clock at night. I, I don't agree with that. Like to your mm-hmm. point, you know, when do you just get to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. We're all rushing to grow up, right? But like, nope, yeah. <laughs> don't rush. Don't rush to grow up. Just teaching really great work-life balance skills right from elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're teaching that there's stuff that you're going to have to do once that day shift is over mm-hmm. to be a productive member of society. Yeah. And I know Rachel and I, we've talked about this before in our absolute hate for side hustles yes. because it's like that expectation, you know, and, and it's come up with this millennial generation. And I think it's kind of revealing itself that like we were so scheduled, you know, children, and then we're like, Oh, now we work. We got to be doing something else too. So let's get another job. Right. Like it's, it's kind of funny. We always feel this need. You know, it's interesting because like, if you, it's funny, like you guys know, I started this business last year Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I honestly thought about, so, so you go through school, right. And then you graduate and then you're working well, with the work more likely you are going to have your weekends free. Right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> and if, if I had started working on my business, then it would have been in like a completely different place because I didn't have kids then, you know, I was like, I had a boyfriend, but mm-hmm. um, I had so much more time that yeah. I could have invested in it. Um, it wouldn't be what it is today, even though like I, I, I was, you know, vulnerable with you guys <laughs> and saying like, I'm not really making any money right now, but it wouldn't be that quality, mm-hmm. but you know, with the time, maybe it could have been something different. So that's kind of what I look at and, and the balance I look at. Um, side hustles is an interesting concept too, because I don't think any of us want to work till we die. No. no. And <laughs> so while we have the energy, if we, you know, we're like, Hey, I make extra money. I can invest this and, and mm-hmm. keep it growing. And mm-hmm. This means I can retire at 35. Go for it. <laughs> if you need to like work two jobs and that's what your dream is and you can, you know, you have a plan and you can build it out. Go for it. Cause the energy you have when you're younger, oh my God, there's no match for it. Like right now I'm just like, I'm exhausted. At the end of the day. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, so there's, there's pros and cons, you know, oh, to- absolutely. Yes. Yeah. doing it so it's interesting at least this culture I think gives you the opportunity to have that um you know I I think in India because a lot of it and it's slowly changing but because a lot of it is very still academic you do one thing and you are that one thing and then you do well with that one thing okay especially if you're middle class if you're you know upper class if you're rich well then you can you have your pursuits and your hobbies and maybe you're making money through some of them. So it's like not even a thing that you can really think of. 
um, with admin and social media, it's, it's changing. Like you have a lot of people who are online doing different things, but even those people, if you looked at it, they are something like, there's this guy who's like, um, a reporter for, you know, a, a good like TV, um, channel and, and he has sort of like a comedy page, you know, but he still has that backing of this mm-hmm. prestigious job because that's how society looks at you, you know? Right. Um, so even, even, even the fact that it's available, it's an opportunity that's available to you to do a side hustle. It's, it's interesting. It's a different culture here that allows it, which is cool. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And then, um, you know, as you're just kind of saying, you're exhausted a lot of the time because you do have two young children. And when it comes to the expectations around school, what are those conversations that you're having with them? And, you know, what would you kind of say to them? You know, these, this is what I hope for you, you know? Yeah, I... (laughs) My perspective has changed a lot in the last few years because I used to be like, oh, I wish I could just do anything and and I wish I didn't have to work or, you know, I wish I, I could pursue like the thing I want to do and I wish I didn't have to go to school for it. And there have been successful people, right? Like college dropouts who are yep. really successful. The thing that I find is that our society expects you to have a bachelor's degree, for example, mm-hmm. to get a, a decent paying job. Like that's, that's the new high school degree, right? Exactly. Bachelor's. And, you know, my thing for my kids will be, I will support you no matter what, have a fallback plan. What is your fallback plan of the thing you don't want to do doesn't work or it, the thing you want to do doesn't work out because like even athletes, you know, you could get injured and then what do you do? Yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so if that's going to trade school, okay, that's great. If that's pursuing some sort of other education that you can at the end of the day show and get paid for and have a roof over your head and have food on your table and you can clothe yourself, that's great. But in our society right now, like even, you know, I look at so many jobs, bachelor's degree required. Because mm-hmm. there's a certain expectation of if you've gone through school and if you've gotten it, there's a certain set of skills you have. And how do you show those skills? Otherwise, you have experience. But at that entry-level stage, when you're trying to start to make money on your own, you know, not going to have a lot of experience. Yeah. yeah. So either you can work a lot to get that experience, or you can get a four-year degree (laughs) and at least enter the workforce and then, you know, start to do it. So if if it was today's world, I would say, do what you want. I would still recommend you get a degree. So you have Mm -hmm. a fallback plan and Mm -hmm. you can make a life for yourself. Yeah. My thoughts are very similar to yours, Preeti. And, you know, for, for me, I'm like, you can pick university, college, you want to do online courses that is a specific skill, you want to go into trades, I don't care. You know, like you said, have that fallback plan and pursue what you what you love, right? Like, um, this is something that maybe you heard the same message around graduating high school, but 
our generation was not pushed towards trades mm-hmm. and more applied uh, college studies. We were all funneled into the university system. And, you know, for for today's day and age, with so many people going through there, um, it's it's people I know who went for the trades and went to the applied college. They're, they're all doing fantastic, right? So I think it's great if, if we don't like limit ourselves to like, you have to go to Harvard, right? Like Harvard is the only option where there's, yeah. there's so many different paths for, for people to take. And like you said, you know, there's, you have your education. No one can take that from you. Yep. You've give, you now have the skills and just go, go do whatever is going to yeah. make you happy and help you provide for yourself. Yeah. And if that's going to Harvard, do it. Oh yeah, right. like Harvard, if Harvard's gonna get you for Harvard, but- I, and because <laughs> I think for you and I, it was probably our parents had this idea of prestige and like, yes, yes my kid goes to the Harvard Ivy League, and, right? You know, even, even Canada has a, a a list of Ivy League schools that are the you know preferred mm-hmm. uh, yeah. degrees, the top universities. Yeah, because <laughs> that was their generation. That's yes, you know, that's how you showed success mm-hmm. was that your kid you know did well yeah and I think that narrative is changing I think we're seeing success in you know what is your kid accomplishing and contributing to society versus what mm-hmm. school are they going to yes which mm-hmm. is an amazing shift because I mean that's the other thing like Ivy Leagues are a whole another set of pressure you know and I just don't believe in that. Like, you don't need to go to an Ivy League to have a good life. You don't nope. need to kill yourself <laughs> to to be happy and and be fulfilled. And I think our generation is changing that narrative from I need to make money to I want to feel fulfilled. I want to make I want to feel like I'm making a difference. And with that, the conversation shifts of what am I studying? What am I doing? Where am I working? And so like, I want to work for a company that makes a difference mm-hmm. in the world, you know, and, and that change is just so beautiful to see. Definitely. I yeah. definitely, I definitely share those same thoughts. And I think in a similar vein, there, just normalizing kids, not going to school for a few years after yeah. they graduate high school would be oh, just year. such a wonderful yeah. thing to see. Because it's like, I think back to when I went to school, I was fresh out of high school. I turned 18 in university. Like I had already started. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. I like maybe just recently kind of figured out a path I wanted to do a year ago. Yeah. And I'm 25. So I wish that, I hope to see, and I think it is starting to happen, just that normalization of if you want to take a year off to go travel, go do that. If you want to take two or three and you want to try different jobs or maybe try to find some internships or meet some interesting people in different career paths. That's great because it helps those kids formulate their thoughts of what they actually want to do and how they want to contribute to the world as opposed to, okay, choose your career path and go into thousands and thousands of dollars of debt. Um, when just last week, (laughs) hopefully you like it. And just last week you had to ask to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's interesting because at one point 
I had finished university and I was going to do an MBA. Cause again, like it was one of those things where if you did an MBA, it's like so cool. <laughs> and my counselor actually said, you should go and work for a few years before yeah. you do an MBA. And I was mm-hmm. really grateful for that perspective because otherwise it's just like, it's all theoretical. Like you don't necessarily know how it applies. And honestly, you can't contribute, which makes the classes really boring Mm -hmm. because it's all theory, you know, in theory, yes, it should work that way, but you know, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And how do you take the knowledge that you're learning and apply it in your daily life? Well, if you're not working, an MBA doesn't benefit you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so many people in the MBA programs, like they, they did go work for a year or two. And, and when the lucky ones, it's actually their employer that's sending them Mm -hmm. to, to get their, their masters and their MBAs. And exactly, you know, what's better than a a free ride on (laughs) for for higher education. Yeah. And a lot of schools won't even let you apply Mm -hmm. until you've hit that three years of working experience mark post-secondary. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think our generation is starting to separate like what we want from what we're going to ask our kids to do with where like our parents, again, like society, like what's expected of them. It, it shows up in what they expect of us mm-hmm. and it showed up in go to prestigious schools and, and, you know, shine the family name. <laughs> Be a legacy, right? <laughs> legacy student at uh, Ivy League school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When India, like, it, it it literally increases your value because oh my my kid went here, you know. So when you're doing arranged, when you're setting up relationships and things like that, like that's a thing people put on their bio data is what we call mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's when here did this masters and did that masters or, you know, it's funny because some wedding cards like if you. <laughs> That's so funny and some wedding cards will list that the groom or the bride studied in the United States and like they did MBA in this college in the United States like that's a thing you know there's a lot of prestige tied to it and it literally attracts a better crop of people you know for it, it, it's really interesting how all of that works but yeah there's a lot of pressure on us and it's frankly ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, really. Is. So, so to kind of round out our school conversation, what would you say to someone in a situation where school is being pushed on them, mm. but they honestly feel like it's it's not the right choice for them? Like either they need a break, or you know they they want to pursue a different career path. So I think it depends on the context. You know, what are you doing? Like, are you living with your parents? And they're like, hey, if you want to live with me, still, you got to do this degree. Mm-hmm. You know, are you living on your own? You're already, you know, have a job, but now it's like, okay, what's the next step? And, and the employer's like, hey, if you want to progress, you need to have a master's, have an MBA. Mm-hmm. So depending on the context, like if you were living with your parents and that was their thing and you didn't have another source of money, I would evaluate what would it take for you? You know, what's the harm Mm -hmm. in doing the school? Because the alternative to that is, right, your parents are telling you, okay, you got to go make a life for yourself. Okay, and and maybe that's what you want to do. And that's great. You know, most jobs, 
with the housing market these days don't pay enough to pay rent. So, you know, that's the alternative, which is a sad reality. So you got to just weigh pros and cons. At the end of the day, a lot of school has not hurt anyone. And if it's being pushed on you, if it's being paid for. I was just going to say that, you know, there's a situation where it's being pushed on you, but your family's going to help pay for it. Or like they're pushing on it on you, but they're not contributing financially, right? Like I think yeah. those are two two separate situations yeah. of how you'd handle that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so it's really just looking at the the whole picture. You know, if like my parents encouraged my brother to do his master's right out after his undergrad and they were going to pay for it, he didn't want to do it. He's like, I want to go work. And, you know, but they were paying for it. He was already in the school system and frankly would have increased his, you know, entry um, rate, his entry salary. And I remember talking to him saying, dude, I had to pay for my own master's degree and I was working. And let me tell you, that's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So they're offering to pay. There's nothing. You just got to continue studying for two years. What do you have to lose? And there was no answer. So when you're, you know, weighing pros and cons, I always just think of it as what do I have to lose here? If I go a certain way, mm -hmm. you know, what is the unintended consequence of me pursuing this route or not pursuing this route? And does that outweigh the benefit? And that's, and so that's where I say, it's like, to me, it's very context specific. Um, so is there a specific context you have in mind? Because if you could elaborate, I could give it to you. But, th but that's my two cents in, in that context. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It really does depend on the, on the context. And I think uh, it definitely comes down to financials sometimes. And, and we kind of address that where, you know, if, if they're going to front the money for you, then, you yeah. know, really like what's, what's to lose, especially um, if you're just coming out of high school or fresh off your, your bachelor degree, you know, if, if it's there for you, it's, it's an opportunity, right. That you don't want yeah. to pass up. Um, I think it's sometimes hard for like, there's going to be people out there that aren't going to have the financial help yeah. and, but yet everyone's still pushing them to go to school. So there, there, I understand where there could be, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit of like, it's your life, you know, if you you have to pay for it. Right. So maybe that's when it's not a great decision. And it doesn't mean that you, uh, can never go get a degree or there's so many options now. Like we, we have online learning capabilities. You know, I've, I've done um, career specific courses in the past few years for, for my job. And like that has excelled me more than yeah. some other like university courses, right? Like in terms of yeah. what I'm able to, to ask for in terms of, of pay and, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and job titles. So yeah, you know, I, I feel like there's so many different routes now and we are living in an age where we really can mm -hmm. explore different things and, and get to our, to our yeah. destined careers. Because the other thing I think about in that context is 
what does that degree, what does that schooling enable you to do? Does it enable you to pursue what you want to? Does it enable you to get the job you want to get? You know, and if it does, yeah, you got to outweigh, you know, you got to weigh, do I do this now? Do I do it later? Because we talked a little bit about a fallback plan earlier, you know, if if I thought about, okay, I want to run my business. And then I said, well, okay, if nothing works out, what would I want to do? And I just started looking at those job descriptions, looking at what people are asking for, you know, look at what they state. So I said a lot of, you know, places will ask for a bachelor's degree. There's certain, you get to a certain point and certain jobs where they're going to ask for a PhD, for you to be able to enter even or apply, right? And so you got to look at where do you want to go and what's going to be expected of you and weigh the benefit of if I go at an entry level and I don't have this, I could possibly be paid less. And maybe that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm at a point in my life, it doesn't matter to me to be paid a lot more because I'm single. I don't have any debt, you know, like it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. if you, you know, have a house, have a car, have a, you know, like have all these expenses, then what does that schooling enable you to get a lot more of? Um, I'll tell you this, but wait, when I left my job a couple of years ago, I was looking for another job and, you know, there was so much going through my head, like maybe I need to pursue another degree because I want to, you know, go into another field. And I started looking, they were expensive, right? Like school, especially master's degrees are expensive. Um, and I did a online certificate, you know, to your point and, and it was two grand versus like these degrees that were like 57 some thousand dollars and it was um around DEI that was my diversity equity inclusion certificate and it gave me so much energy so much insight so much validation for the things that I'd gone through and it really gave me a new perspective into what I wanted to do I'd seen it come up and because of what I dealt with in my previous workplace like I was like yeah I'm curious to learn about this And I did it. And then I started interacting with posts on LinkedIn from people who were posting about that specific topic. And actually the job I have today is because one of my connections saw that I was posting on those things and that like I was commenting, I was making connections and, um, and he had heard about his company and now my company, like starting a DEI initiative. And he was like, Hey, I think you'd be a great fit. Like you should apply here. Mm-hmm. And I would not be here if not for that investment in myself. At the end of the day, like I've stopped looking at things as like dollar amounts. I've started looking as investment in myself. And is this worth mm-hmm. that investment? Does this add value to my life? But I'm at a point where I can have that perspective and that viewpoint. And earlier in my career, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because... No, I think that's an excellent point because Rachel and I can both relate to that. You know, we we have our our undergrads, right? Like that, that was our base level. And now as we are, you know, further along in our careers, it's like, okay, here's a course. And like, you know, we talk about it with our employers and they're like, hey, if you do this course, this is going to take you from here to up here and open these doors for you. And, you know, thank God most of them are not as expensive as going to, to university. Uh, so yeah. That's I curious love- though. Like, 
So they're telling you that if you did a course, you would be at a, like, you'd be able to, to move to another position and are they paying yeah. for it? Yeah. Yeah. And they pay you for have it. to like pass it, but then they yeah, pay for to... it. It's great. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, like, and then the question is, is that what I want to do? Is that position where I want to be? Like, okay, free school is great, but you know, it, it comes with strings, right? Like they're probably going to ask you to stay for another two years. Is that worth your life in that company for another two years? And maybe it is, maybe it's a great place to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But then like going outside of, you know, um, just the corporate world here of them wanting to, for you to pro- to progress. Um, for me, that was the whole reason why I ended up in the industry I'm in, you know, I, I had to pay, it was, I think it was like $1,500, which, you know, it was, it was quite a bit of money just to put out all at once for me at that time. And, you know, that investment in myself changed my whole life. Yeah, I think. And I don't know, I'm I'm a huge supporter of just continuing education, no matter Mm -hmm. what it is. Like, I know we did a whole episode on this where it's like professional or personal development. Mm -hmm. So important that no matter what age you are, you Mm -hmm. know, keep learning, keep, keep growing yourself. It could be totally unrelated. Like, Mm -hmm. I've no I've mentioned on here, I'm a a registered equine massage therapist. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And oh, gosh, there's a list of things that I'm I'm registered for, but it was just because I was just like, you know what? That's cool. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to add that to my knowledge repertoire and that's amazing. Um, you know, it's always a fallback plan. Yeah. If I, you know what I want to be, out. I want to be uh, an, a registered efficient, you know, cause like oh maybe gosh. there's a marriage, there was a wedding I could have, <laughs> oh, you know what, how many times in the movies does it happen? where like, exactly. we're like, we need an efficient and like, you're like, I, oh, know. I can it's do it. So funny. I just, for that reason, I wanted yeah. to do just it. for that reason, you know, you'll just be ready for that. that exactly. Moment, right. So yeah, no, I think, I think to round out school here, it's, it's so important just to invest in yourself and for sure yeah. like the baseline is make sure you're doing this for you as hard as it is when you have um, external pressures on you you know at the bottom line you have to remember it's it's your life you need to think about where is this going to take you and and think about what doors you want opened yeah and kind of springing off of that too we did mention it a bit earlier but going back to your pros and cons list pretty I think the world is starting to move away from it. But like we said earlier, at least having a bachelor's degree is like the currency for entering the workforce. And I think that the world's not quite there. Yeah. I think we're moving towards it where it's, you know, you choose your own path. And, you know, if you're passionate about something and you're hardworking, you can get into that career. But, you know, like there's positions that, would never used to require that we're now that's right on their job description list and it is unfortunate but it is that's something that needs to be considered is that is the foot in the door it might not get you as far as it used to but it opens the door crack yeah and sometimes you just have to make money to pay your bills and that's the case exactly exactly so let's move into relationships and dating Mm -hmm. so i can speak for myself here and maybe for you too, Laura, but the cultural messaging that we grew up with, even though like I personally did not date until university, whether that was my own choice or my brother scaring any potential uh, romantic affair off, I'm not entirely sure. 
but you know it, it it was accepted that usually you start dating and you know going out like with boys and all this or girls when you are a teenager like you're in high school okay this is like the moment where this part of your life starts quote unquote but what was the expectation that you grew up with that I was gonna be arranged married one day <laughs> no there's yes. no expectation of dating um and honestly in India again it, it, in the middle class you do not date if you're upper class you've probably lived in other countries you've you know there there's things that start to become more acceptable in a different layer of society that is not acceptable in, in other layers because if you're dating if you're you know sleeping with multiple old men and then you know you're damaged goods and then who would want to marry like all of that sort of starts to come with that and my cousin was actually dating somebody uh, she was like you know sneakily dating this person and it, this person like lived two houses down from where they used to live and you know somebody found out it wasn't the parents it was somebody found out and told the parents and it was like such a huge thing that that weekend they got her married to him oh my and was this yeah. was this a man that she would care to marry or was this more just like she loved him okay okay it but didn't quite last yeah she's really okay. young you know it was like mm-hmm. her yeah. first thing and um but that's how it was seen as like you don't do that like even growing up i remember um one of my classmates called home and he wanted to ask about some homework because I was like the A student and and all that. And my parents picked up the phone, right? Landlines picked up the phone. And he oh, yeah. said, Landline yeah, like, can I speak to, you know, Preeti? And they let me talk to him. But then later it's like, why did he call home? Who's this boy? Why is he, call- why, why can't he call somebody else? Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't ask him to call me. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, you studied, you didn't date, you know, um, here, once we came here, even though it was more normalized, like you dated, you went to prom, you, you know, you had a date and all of those things. It was still not something my parents wanted to, I can cause I, I mentioned that in my, you know, moving out episode, but there's this like accountability that they had to people back home. It's this like continued, like a shadow of a presence of this baggage that they have and when I started dating my my now husband um I hid it from my parents because of that which could have been really bad you know it could have ended terribly what that does is what that hiding does is it doesn't allow you to have those conversations around safety around you know oh maybe we're fighting and like I need a perspective and I don't know and you know it's it's easy to become isolated um but it was not okay and and honestly like how they found out was we updated our facebook now my facebook was private like my brother was on my facebook but like my parents weren't and i was just like oh my gosh you have a girlfriend boyfriend like you know and i updated my facebook and my brother had his facebook open and my parents saw it but they didn't tell me they saw it oh wow they waited to see what would happen. 
<laughs> and like, you know, like we were dating and it was starting to get serious mm-hmm. where like now my husband grew up here. Right. So he's expecting like, yeah, we should be able to go out on dates. Like we're working, mm-hmm. we're making our money. We should be able to, you know? And I was like, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, our first date, I told him, he was like, I'll come pick you up at that. And I was like, I'll meet you there. Cause you can't be seen around my house. And, um, you know, so it's starting to get serious. And I came to my mom, I remember, and I was like, you know, um, and I had moved companies at this point, but she still worked with him. And I was like, you know, Silas, like he asked me out and would it be okay if I go on a date? And she's like, what do you mean? Aren't you guys in a relationship? And I was like, Oh, no. And okay, I need to know how <laughs> long it was her seeing it, like seeing it on Facebook. And then when you came clean, how long was that? Oh, that was like maybe a month. Okay. At mm-hmm. most. Okay. Um, but we'd been dating for like six months at yeah. that point. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, you should have seen. Like, mm-hmm. we wanted to, you know, like go away. Like, we wanted to spend some time together. And I had to ask my friend to be like, hey, can you? talk to my parents and like let's try to like book a trip in front of them so that we can so they think I'm going with you and then like you know I told my boyfriend to like meet me at this place and so I went in his car and, like, it was, just so, like, it was oh so ridiculous if you think back to it and all I needed to do was say and my mom literally worked with him right mm-hmm. like I mean how what more of a background check do you need than like he works in the same company. He's probably gone through the same stuff that I had to, to get in here. He's probably okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, he's gone through the same background checks I have and, but you know, they were, they weren't okay. And there was a lot I dealt with. Um, all of a sudden I had curfews because now they knew. Right. Um, I had to be home by, you know, first of all, there was a lot. They were like, we can't believe it. You know, you're dating a white guy, you know, you, you're losing your culture, your roots. And you're, like, I remember my mom saying, you're never going to have a bond with him like you would with an Indian man. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Like, I did not like Indian men. Um, I love my dad, but I've, you know, grown up with a lot of Indian men around me and I just don't like their mentality it's a very much that the woman's supposed to be submissive and I, I used to be friends with a guy who stopped dating somebody once who was a lawyer and because he was like she makes more than me and I asked her because um, they were getting serious and he was like you know if we get married then I would want you to quit your job because I can't have you making more than me and I was just like why would I want to marry somebody like that? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, like insecurity. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There's just a lot of, and there's just this expectation of the woman will do this and the woman will do that. And I'm like, I don't want to marry an Indian guy. Um, there's a lot like, so, you know, yeah, these curfews and we're trying to deal with it. And um, at one point we had been dating for like three years and my, like he was over at, at, our place because my mom's now getting used to the idea of him being around and then the pressure started how long did that take pretty for for your parents to to come around and say like okay you know like (laughs) we're we're accepting this relationship and oh a while I think a year okay to to like start to be okay like okay he can come over yeah Mm -hmm. you know um I had already met his parents and they loved me you know and 
yeah, it took them a while. But even then, there was always something around he had girlfriends before. How do you know he's going to like be with you? Like he's just going to dump you and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, you don't know that, you know? And I think what was happening was that my, because my cousins knew because of Facebook, mm-hmm. um, which is not something I saw coming. Yeah. But because my cousins knew, my aunts and uncles knew, and they, they were mm-hmm. talking to my parents about, oh, we saw that she's dating XYZ and, you know, uh, he's, he's a white guy. Even before we got married, like the day before our wedding, my aunt approached me and was like, you sure you still want to do this? And like, I was 25 then. If that happened today, I'd be like, you need to leave. Yeah. Um, but you know, back then I was just like, yeah, I, I love him. It's honestly, it's so stupid. Like all of this, it makes me feel really frustrated because people can't see that the other person's happy. It's like, mm-hmm. oh no, it's not an Indian. Who who gives a shit? It's not an Indian person. Like, is that person happy? That's all. Are they treating that you? Well? Matter. Are, you're in love, and yeah, you, my, you want to build a life together, and you have dreams and goals. My aunt's like actively trying to set me up with somebody while I'm dating him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's like, oh, there's this guy, you know, like I know you're looking for a job. Like, talk to him. He's 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 working in this place. Like, it, maybe he can refer you. I was like, okay. Like, I called him. And, but then the conversation started slowly drifting towards what do you like to do and, and you know, any free time? And I was just like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I felt weird because mm-hmm. I was like, this random person shouldn't be asking me these questions. Right. And then it clicked in my head. He's Indian. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. single. And he's like, because of what he was telling me. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe And I called my mom and I was like, please don't do that again. Right. Like, yeah. that's not respecting me Mm -hmm. and you know she was like well we're your parents and we know you we know better and (laughs) if if it wasn't for the pressure from my aunts and uncles I think it would have been a different story frankly because my mom at one point started loving him like yeah she was like he's great like he's so smart like she would call him up for like financial advice (laughs) (laughs) and um she'd be like Silas what do you think about this and like how do you think you know what should we do should we buy this car like we're looking for a car like she started like really relying on him for like cool things and um one day my aunt came over and my mom was excited for her to meet the person she'd been talking about Mm -hmm. and there was like a hurricane or something that night. And I was like, mom, I don't want him driving back. It's really bad rains. It's nighttime. It's pouring outside. This is not safe. Can he just stay in the basement? Like, I don't even have to be there, but he can stay in the basement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. She's like, in in fact, if you want, like, that's fine. You can stay in the basement too. And I was like, all right. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Except the next day um, when he left and, you know, my aunt left my mom just like oh my god she was so upset and I was like what happened she's like you know your aunt was telling me that oh now you're having her you know this she's bachelor and and there's a a single man you know and, and they're not married and they're here together and that's not okay and it's not you know and all of this stuff so my mom while she was starting to warm up to these to the idea of him Mm-hmm. now started like regressing and was like when are you getting married if this is mm-hmm. who you want to be with when are you getting married and that pressure didn't stop until a while either 
Um, I remember visiting home once and for like two hours while I sobbed, my mom was like, he's not going to marry you. You not, you don't have a future together. This is not going to happen. You need to move on. Like, she's like, you need to open your eyes and know that this is, and like, I, I, I still can recall that, you know, I was sitting on my bed sobbing because we had started talking about, Hey, is this going, you know, are we getting serious? Like our, you know, marriage and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm actively looking for a ring. And, but for her, that wasn't enough. It was, when is it happening? Mm -hmm. When we got engaged, I called her and she was like, finally, you know, that was her first thing. And, and like to date, I'll, t- I'll tell my husband, I'm like, I, I would love for you to do another proposal for me where <laughs> I don't have that baggage. Like yeah. I want to be able to enjoy <laughs> and it's like a happy day, but like all of this stuff is going on all around mm-hmm. you. Um, man, it's, it's hard. And I know it was hard for her to defend me with her family. But again, it's one of those things, like I saw that happening and there's already things I would do differently with my kids, you know, first of all, having the sex talk, yeah. but also just, it's fine. You, you, you want to date, like, let's make sure he's a good guy and, and not like have fun, be safe. And, you know, we're not, our, our biological function is to procreate, right. Mm-hmm. And to procreate, you need to be with somebody. And I feel like that's how we're wired. We're wired to be with someone. Mm-hmm. Are people happy? being by themselves absolutely mm-hmm. but that's a change from how we're wired and when you grow up in a family like mine where like you're always surrounded by people it's hard to be single and be happy and it took me a while to get there I know I talk about this in my episode too but I was happy with him yeah yeah and that wasn't enough and that really really sucked and like I've just like I have this resolve of never putting that kind of pressure on my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, pretty you can you can discuss this if you want, but um when it comes to like having that sex talk and just being informed about your safety as a as a woman, like where where did you get this information from? Like because it, it really doesn't sound like that was a active conversation that was happening in your home. No. It was a, a health class in school <laughs> where they talked about STDs. And there was literally a banana where, the, you know, they showed. Oh, Rachel, you talked about that. I did. <laughs> was it a very limited um, education that was provided? Because let me tell you, they were just like banana, condom, yeah. man ejaculates, sex oh over. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, and you don't talk about like, you know, a healthy sex life, right? Where like, it is not just about the man's pleasure, right? Yeah. But it's funny because no. like the information that I'm learning is Baltimore has a lot of syphilis cases. Well, guess where my boyfriend was? He was from Baltimore. So like not in my head, I'm like, oh my God, syphilis. Does he have syphilis? And like, I remember like, like before our first time, um, we, you know, went to Planned Parenthood and we got tested. Both of us got, even though I hadn't been with any, like we both of us mm-hmm. got tested and we like gave each other the envelope to open for ourselves. And I was like, oh, okay, we're all clear. But, but that's the information you're getting. You know, not that nobody should be coaxing you into having sex. Nobody, you know, should um, like, here are some things you can do to protect yourself. Like 
maybe the man will say, hey, let's not use a condom. Well, here's what will happen if you don't use a condom. You can get pregnant. You, but also there's, it's, so they talk about that, but they don't talk about like, if you want to use a condom and the person doesn't and they're forcing that, that's not okay. That's not a healthy no. relationship. Because I find that, especially when we're young, we're new in a relationship, we will be accepting of a lot more and we'll do a lot more against our comfort because we want to be with that person we love them we want to be happy together we don't want to ruffle the feathers yeah I just wish that conversation would have happened um and so yeah health class banana condom (laughs) good old good old health class good old yeah that good old banana actually no mine wasn't a banana it was a tennis racket oh yeah, it was oh weird. Gosh. It was a weird, um, yeah, needless to say, I did not learn very much from that. But- well, because also, like, nobody talks about, okay, like, TMI, right? But, like, yeast infection. Yeah. I don't, like, I, to be honest, I'm still not entirely sure what that is. No one's taught me. That means but, you haven't had one, so that's good. That's good, <laughs> yes. But, like, you know what I mean, is it's just, like, that's in kind of sex ed class, they just yeah. really teach you what the basics of sex works. Yeah but they don't teach you anything about like your actual sexual reproductive health. You know, I didn't, they don't teach you what a yeast infection is. I don't think they ever told me what a UTI was. Yeah. And like the first time you have one of those, it's a pretty scary experience. You're like, I'm fucking dying. I have kidney failure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you you could have kidney failure and they don't tell you that. Yeah. Yep. And you know, it's, um, they like, for me, my body chemistry changed when I started having sex. Like I, I remember there, I used to use this like um, soap and it was like a dove soap and it had like microbeads or whatever. It smelled good. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't use that anymore. Like my body pH changed mm-hmm. and I could not use that. I had to move to sensitive fragrance free stuff the moment I started having sex because that's just how my body responded to it. Yeah. And we probably have very little research in the scientific world on why why that happens. Right? Like women yeah. are so unexplored in terms of like our, our sexual yeah. health. Yeah. And you've seen, we were actively excluded from trials oh, and yeah. car crash, you know, testing and all of that, which is, and, you know, it really tells you how much of a, you know, we need to carve our path and like, we need to say we should be in these trials. Yeah. Just because I'm a woman doesn't mean, and you, you can't have a dummy that you call a woman, but then it really is like a man. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. That's not a woman. So it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting, but yeah, I'm curious, like what were your guys' experience? How were you told? With the sex talk? Yeah. Okay, so um, my mom listens to this show, so she's going to laugh when I say this, but I think I was probably 13 years old, and I come home one day, and there's just maybe a pile of two to three books that were just casually placed on my bed for me to read. I love it so much. (laughs) Which, you know, I, I do, looking back on it, when I saw them there, I was not ready to read it, and I, like, put them in my closet, and I was like, no. So thinking back, you know, thanks, mom. I think it gave me the opportunity to go read it when I was ready. Like when I chose to be ready, as opposed to, okay, sit down, we're going to do this. 
Um, and then I had a secondary one right when I was about to go into university. And again, this is a lot of like TMI, but whatever we are start, we talk about sex on this show. And it was really good actually, because the conversation was okay. You already know how sex works, but like, if you're going to have an orgasm, this is how it's going to feel. And that's like the first time I'd even like heard, like, I knew it was a possibility. I knew that it was a concept, but no one explained how it felt. They were like, oh, it just feels like good. And I'm like, okay, but so does eating pizza. So, so I think in, in the end, um, looking back, I think that I was given enough to know that I should be an active participant in the act. But, you know, if with my kids moving forward, like I would want to be like, okay, this is how it works. But also there are things you need to consider. Like when you are with a new partner, do you feel like they're pressuring you to have this first time with them, but they're not really considering your feelings? Because if you are, then I need you to come to me and then don't move forward with that. I think at that time, there was still a lot of shame. And I think it was internalized shame myself because for some reason I had it in my head that having sex outside of a relationship was dirty. So I in turn, I had a lot of internalized shame about coercion and sexual assault and such that even though like I've had my own experience with it, I kept it to myself for like years where with my children moving forward, I want to be like, this is something that can happen and it happens often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not rare. Mm-hmm. No, I'm no sorry. So yeah, my my experience, the whole sex talk, uh, very similar to Rachel, you know, <laughs> my mother bought me a book. I think I was about 11 or 12, though. Still remember the book. It's probably still in my parents' basement. Um, Love it. That's, that's so amazing. And um, it had a I think I have the same one. Do you have the same one, Rachel? I think so. A bird and a bee that explained uh, the concept of of your body and, you know, how babies are made and all that. But one thing I explicitly remember now, like looking back, that was missing is there was no talk of, you know, what is a healthy relationship? What is sex and just sex? You know, it didn't didn't quite, like it kind of covered that part, but not really to a detail of like how reality is right like it it really just stuck to the scientific you know this is how a baby is made but it it never talked about um you know uh you need to be protected against uh diseases and um emotionally this is what is is involved you know i learned that more from from my friends Mm -hmm. um, who you know were having sex and you know you just talk about it and then you'd ask questions and that kind of stuff, but really like trial and error of, mm-hmm. of what is right. And, um, you know, I was, I was lucky for my first time, like I was in a safe situation and I have no, uh, regrets about that. But, you know, as I've said before, it's not like I was with someone that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really just being like, okay, I'm confident in my body. I feel like I'm in a safe situation. Okay. You know, I've, I've pulled the plug on this a lot before because the situation changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, for my children, I think I would want to be 
very just just open and transparent about the reality of it like yeah yeah there's the scientific principles of of reproduction but like this is this is the gray stuff you know like Rachel what you said you know if if you're feeling pressured or not safe like tell tell me tell your father you know like that's that's what would be important to me over like you know putting putting the banana on the condom thing like no no <laughs> let's get away from that people okay uh we need to be having real conversations of of the emotions that are are built up because i feel like there's so many young women who you know had sex and and they do regret it because they were not emotionally aware mm-hmm. you know, of everything that's involved and i just i would hate that for for my children yeah cuz even with guys so like if we think about like how if if parents aren't talking to them like how are they getting exposed to it right so mm-hmm. friends you mentioned <laughs> remember my friend literally once gave me a vibrator and I was like yeah I can't take this like I live with my mom she <laughs> like does my laundry <laughs> sometimes like she's gonna put stuff back know. like she'll know she will know um right so it, it's either friends or you know movies or porn mm-hmm. right and the last of them is the worst of it because there's an expectation you build in your head of what how it's supposed to go and what it's supposed to be like and you know please don't have sex without lubrication like please you know just please don't you know like go from back to like things like that just yeah I would want to tell my child all of those and say look if you feel like you're ready like, let's talk. Let's make sure you're safe. Let's figure out the options because I want to make sure you're safe. And, you know, there's no shame in it. No, there really isn't. It is, in fact, like, it's a huge thing. And like anything else in your child's life, like you should be there for this thing, which is huge. And it's, you know, not like, oh, let's not talk about it. Because if we talk about it, maybe then they'll have sex it. it's it's not how it that works don't say anything right yeah. kids, kids find a way right like, yeah. you know whether they are under your constant supervision yeah. at home they will find a way <laughs> you know they w- and it's our hormones like we talk yes. about like that wiring it's that yes. wiring that comes out and like but I mean yeah it's also like media around this and then you see your friend doing it, and then you want you know just you have a chance to have that conversation and kind of control that narrative a little bit and provide a safe avenue for your child to have these discussions these healthy discussions and you should do that you should be the safe avenue for them and Mm -hmm. that's what I plan on I mean like with my kids and you mentioned you know around assault like even from this age they're so tiny like my daughter's 10 months old I'm already talking about like hey this is your vagina like this is your mouth you know you start to introduce those terms and the proper terms mm-hmm. so that they know, you know, these are their private parts. And that means nobody should touch them. Mm-hmm. You know, like these are theirs and you normalize the conversation. If you make it awkward, it's going to be awkward. If you normalize yes. yeah. and you talk about it, like it's just another thing. And then, you know, your teenager is embarrassed because you're talking about it, but that's mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but if you make it a, such a thing, like same with drinking, like if, you know, oh, you can't drink until you're 21, then it becomes this thing. And then that's how you get DUIs. That's how, you know, like you get into accidents because you've made it this like valuable thing. Mm -hmm. 
but you haven't taught them to be responsible with it. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you rather want to know that, okay, your, your kid is having a drink, but they are in your basement with your friends. They're not going anywhere. You know, your home, you know, exactly what's going on versus they're all sneaking off to some backyard driver fraternity you know we're from a small town so you know parties happened in fields when we were growing Mm -hmm. up and like I don't know whose parents knew what we were doing or not like luckily we're all local kids so no one drove but not every situation is like that and then same with sex like wouldn't you want to know that your child is yes maybe sexually active and maybe you have some feelings about that but at least you have given them the tools Mm-hmm. to be able to make sure that they know that they're safe and know that they can come to you mm-hmm. because you know that the parents job like we just we just want to know that they can come to us yeah all right let's move into our next question and that is what would you say to somebody who wants to start living with their partner but doesn't want to wait for marriage to make that step or perhaps they don't want to get married at all yeah, that's interesting. So the the first question he asked is um, if they want to move in, but they're not yet married, right? And to that, I say, I feel like everyone should do that. You absolutely Absolutely. Should. You know, it's a big step for a relationship to, it's a to live with someone. That changes the dynamics. Yeah. Yes. So much. Living with a person, being with them 24-7, especially right now, like in the oh, pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. where you're literally with them 24 seven. Um, if you don't have a chance to figure out if you can do that, if you can tolerate the things, if you, you know, if you both are compatible that way, mm-hmm. you know, being married shouldn't be the first time you do it because marriage binds assets. It's harder to get out of. That. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. it's easier to explore a relationship while you're not married and you don't have that commitment also to untie which is you know and then you have kids like a lot of people stay in unhappy marriages because of those ties and so if you can I would 100% recommend you live with your partner I did even though my parents didn't like it I saw a different life for myself and that's the reason I moved out, because, especially because I was starting to date and I was getting a lot of pushback. I, you know, mentioned I was, I was getting like so much as why are you doing this? And, and, you know, just a lot of questioning of things. And I think fundamentally it was because I grew up in such a command and control household. I just wanted to break free because even when I was starting to work and have my own money, like my mom asked for my bank account, like my password, Mm. because she wanted to see where I was spending it. Mm. And I was just like, no, no. Like, I mean, I was living with my mom, you know, but I was like, no, that's my money. Like I shouldn't have to explain where I'm spending it. You know, If, if you're concerned that I'm spending it like too loosely, educate me on Hey, if you invest, like it'll grow or, you know, don't spend so much money on X, Y, Z. I'm not giving you my password. And there were like those little struggles in my everyday life where I was just like, I can't live like this. And I don't want to get married. It's not a lesson, right? It's just a a judgment, really. Like, I don't know how else to describe that. Um, Because I feel like, you know, if I had gone down the arranged marriage route, like 
how that works is the parents essentially put it out in the community like you know and Mm -hmm. they would probably find somebody and um like-minded possibly and maybe they have the same expectations of me or you know the guy lives with their parents because again that's an expectation of of Indian uh sons I don't want to do that I don't want to live with somebody like I want to be able to be yeah and that like daily struggle that I went through and just this like I couldn't do certain things you know I couldn't go certain places like I was just not about it anymore but then also (laughs) because we were getting serious I wanted to explore that relationship and I wouldn't have been able to explore it in those two hours I could see him or like before 11 I had to be home like I couldn't hang out with his friends and learn about them and know about them this is, you know, the wagon I was hitching my ride to, like, I didn't have enough information. I just knew, like, all of this has been happening. And I'm like, I, I got to live on my own. Really, all of us, you know, we do need that time to just live on our own and figure out who we are. Because I remember, you know, in my Mm -hmm. early 20s, like, those were such pivotal years for me. And like, I changed myself all the time. Like, I tried on different things and I was just like, okay, is this who I want to be or do I want to be this? And it, it wouldn't have been possible if like I had all these, you know, other influences being like, no, you're this, like you're a wife, you know, you're a daughter, you're a wife. That's it. (laughs) It's where you figure out truly your value system, like your value system that when you are in your parents' house, your parents' values are your values. And by not having that freedom to stretch your wings and, I, you know, like set your own rules of what is acceptable for you, yeah. for people that are coming in, like boundaries, let's say boundaries, you know, it doesn't give you that chance to be like, you know, I was taught this when I was growing up, but if I step back, do I actually believe that or do I just think I need to believe that? Yeah, the question of who am I is... A question we all ask, but if you have a chance to explore that in your 20s, it's a easier thing to digest than like you are, you know, midlife crisis where you're like, who am I? What is my purpose? And sure. one of the ways you avoid that is, is you figure that out up front. You explore little things, you know, like, what do I like to eat? What do I like to cook? And, you know, in, runaway bride comes to mind right like whoever she dated like that was the type of egg you know preparation that she liked he just Um, said my favorite movie growing (laughs) up oh my gosh yeah and she was because he would go around and ask like how do you like your eggs oh I like them poached I like them over easy same as me you know Mm -hmm. and she was just like I hate all of these eggs except for this (laughs) (laughs) um but that question of who am I it has ripple effects right not only is it something that's going to impact you, but we talk about it impact, you know, future generations. It will impact your kids because if you don't figure out who you are, society will tell you who you are. What's the analogy I used earlier today? If there's a hole, water's going to rush in to try to fill mm-hmm. it. That definition of who you are, who you should be is constantly changing. You should be stick thin. Oh, now you should have, you know, the JLo butt, right? beauty standards are one example but it's also like be a working woman and take care of your family like the the definition of who you are will continue to change and if you don't know who you are you lose your mind that confidence in you stems from within Mm -hmm. and 
if you don't take the time to figure that out, you're never going to be happy by yourself. Because here's the other thing, we continue to evolve the definition of who we are, because we change, right? Like our circumstances change, we learn things, we evolve. So having a baseline to evolve from is so important. So you don't lose yourself. Because if you allow your partner to tell you who you are, their expectation of you is probably going to stay the same while they continue to evolve and then they'll leave. So I read a story the other day, like how, you know, so many women have, I think it was on Reddit, this woman um, supported her husband, her fiance through medical school. And then once he was a doctor, he left her because she had actually, you know, like put her own career on pause to support him. And he was like, well, I'm a different person now. And so many women commented on that. And I was just like, F that. Like, are you kidding me? Please don't put your career on hold for a man, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, at the end of the day, like your, if, if that relationship breaks, which there's nothing stopping from a relationship breaking, if that person wants to leave, you have to fall back on yourself and the life that you've built for yourself and the identity you've built for yourself. And that comes mm-hmm. from working on yourself and, and, you know, knowing that, um, but also knowing that, like you said, what's acceptable to you, what's not, those are going to be keys in yeah. preventing a lot of abuse. Yeah. I don't like it when you talk to me like that because it makes me feel a certain way. And I don't like feeling a certain way. That's a very powerful statement, but you have to be able to know that yeah. it's okay mm-hmm. to say, Hey, that's not okay. Because you respect yourself. Like I respect myself and I'm worthy of good things. This is not good. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. to stop it. You can't have those conversations. Yeah. Like, it, and it's just the difference of like, of knowing, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And if you never take that time to figure out who you are and what's important, like that's just where that cycle continues and it's it's going to carry on then to the next generation. And I'll give you a perfect example. Like I told you, like I grew up with my family. So family's rules, right? And then you go to school, school mm-hmm. has its rules and work has its own rules. And when I started dating my now husband, our power dynamic was very different. I was like in love and like this, like the first time I'm in love and, you know, whatever he kind of said, I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's, or that's how the relationship should be. There was a phase in our dating life where I was like, hey, wanna like, we were to, you know, I was spending a day or something and I was like, Hey, want to go play tennis? And he would say no. And that was it. And I remember feeling hurt, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to like ruffle the feathers. And I was just like, Oh, maybe that's just how relationships are. You know, it took me a while to realize that wasn't okay. And it took me a while to realize that I deserved better. And if I hadn't moved out, I wouldn't even have had the space to think about it because my family was pressuring me to marry somebody, you know? Um, and, and like, he was starting to take me for granted. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. You see these patterns and honestly, like human nature is to become comfortable. And the moment you become comfortable, you stop dating the person, you stop doing things for them. And, and this, that honeymoon phase dies. And if past that, you can't be with that person the relationship's not going to last, but also you are going to come out crushed. Like you got to stand up for yourself in the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yeah. true at work too, right? Like for sure. Gotta stand up oh, for any situation, any situation. Yeah. 
any situation you're in. So if you don't move out, it's fine. Figure out a way to have space to think about the things you want to be. If you can't think about yourself, think about your friend, think about your kids. How would you want their lives to be? You know, and you're most likely can, can think about like your nephews, nieces, whoever you love. I want you to marry somebody who makes you happy, you know, who like you wake up and you're like, yeah, this is my person. If you're going through a tough time, they're with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're sick, they're like taking care of you. If you can define who you are, you'll notice things around you start to happen in your favor because you have set and created that space for yourself. For sure. How did the community around you react and how did that affect your experience? So my community didn't support me. Again, because it, it was this whole idea of, you know, you're not, you're moving away from your Indian cultural roots. And I mentioned like my parents having an expectation of who I should be because of the accountabilities they had back home. And living alone is not a part of it, especially as a girl. And it was hard. Like my, my aunts and uncles, I would talk to them. They would have this like, you know, undertone of like mocking. I remember like my family friends or, you know, our family friends, they, because their kids saw me move out and then now they wanted to move out. And so I was setting a bad example for them. And I remember one of the, the moms once asking me what's it like you know in your new apartment and and I was like so happy and I was talking about everything and my mom was rolling her eyes about it because I don't think she saw the value in it she didn't understand it I mean she didn't grow up she didn't grow up that way you know and she didn't understand why I needed to live by myself even though I had said look I need to explore this relationship it's getting serious I want to learn just how to do things on my own Um, I was like, I just need to live by myself and be with my thoughts, figure out who I am. I don't know who I am. And she didn't understand it. It was hard. My dad didn't understand it. My brother understood it. He, in fact, loved it because he would then like come over because I I had an apartment in the city. My parents were also worried about my safety. But, you know, I kind of mentioned this earlier, too, because they weren't willing to have that conversation with me. I could have been in a really bad situation and I wouldn't go to them because I didn't want to hear, I told you so. It wasn't good, um, but like time heals all. So my mom came around and every time I went home, like I started going home on the weekends. um, Every time I went home, my mom would like send like a ton of food back with me or she would have gone shopping and would send me stuff. And like, I would show up to work with like a new shirt or new something on and my coworkers be like, can we go visit your mom? (laughs) (laughs) She eventually came around because at the end of the day, like our parents love us. I know they do. They don't always understand. Yeah, they really Mm -hmm. do. And the thing is like, your your parents don't want to lose you. But then when they see you living your life and doing so well, they're like, oh my God, like I better think about what my actions are here or else like, I'm just going to not be in their life. Right? And I think that's an important lesson for yeah. to do. And I'm not going to say hope for because we all yeah. hope for the best. But like, you know, there are, there are sometimes yeah. certain wants that need to be met. And if not, like, you know, out of the nest. But yeah. um, I love that your parents did 
come around and you're like oh my gosh like we need to be part of this journey right like this is important <laughs> yeah you know and you. it was cool because my cousin once came like my cousin and their aunt were visit uh, and my aunt were visiting and um she was 23 at the time my aunt had packed her bag and she forgot to pack a belt for her and she like my cousin lost it she was like <laughs> in tears and she's like how could you do that and that was my favorite belt and you impact and like my aunt came to me I, I didn't know this was happening but she came to me later and was like hey you know is there like a store or what stores are around here maybe we could go get a belt and I was like yeah let's go get a belt and um my mom told me this story later and she she just at one point she talked to my cousin and said I think you're old enough to pack your own bags yeah Mm-hmm. and you know but she I, I could see where she was like she's dating like she I was making money mm-hmm. I was she dating. pays for herself <laughs> I was dating you know a guy who was making good money too right like um and I I was living by myself I had a car meanwhile my cousin a couple years younger than me but she was crying because her mom forgot to pack the belt for her um my parents it, it's funny like my co-workers have told me my parents are so proud of me my parents have never once told me they're proud of me <laughs> that's just not the Indian way of telling like you don't tell that and it's things like those that I was like okay I think they've made their peace with my decision mm-hmm. and I think as parents if we can just ask the question of is my child safe you know, what can I do to make sure they're safe while they explore this thing? Mm-hmm. That's the best thing you can do for your child. Because you have to let them spread their wings. You have to let them try things. You can you can make sure that's a good experience for them, though. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to make it difficult. At the end of the day, that's what I learned. Like, even mm-hmm. at our wedding, you know, I talk about society's expectations. Like, my mom was more worried about what people around me were feeling. I was the bride. It didn't matter, you know, but that's the society she grew up in. And Mm -hmm. if she didn't do those things, these people would go back home and talk about how she didn't do those things. Yeah. And And it would become her failure. Right. Yeah. They'd be like, Oh, you've forgotten these things. Yeah. Because she stood up for her child and what her child wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, she's put in a tough situation from her society too. And that's not okay. Because yeah. actually my mom is a really cool person. And she's like, she's so great. It's funny. Like she went from like, you have to be conservative to this. And then she would buy me dresses. And I'm like, mom, this is too short. Like, I can't wear this. Like, what do you, <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe a shirt, you know? And, but like, she evolved with me. And I, if, this society around her wasn't like that. I think we would, I mean, we're close, but I think we would have been a lot closer. Yeah. If she didn't have like internal struggle of this is my child, but I need to do this because that's just how things need to be. Right. And and that's, you know, the expectation. So I used to have a better relationship with my dad, but I definitely have a better relationship with my mom now because I think she understands. There's still some mm-hmm. things she doesn't, she doesn't agree with. But that's that's just parents in general, right? Like, you know, we're yeah. we're different you know? people. <laughs> we 
parents and and their job is to just give us the tools to survive through life and then we do with that as we may. At the core of it, I know they love us. Yeah. It's hard to see it in these difficult times. Um, It's really hard to see it, but time really does heal all. And Mm -hmm. honestly, if you're safe and you have the money to do it, like do what you want to. Your parents will yeah. come around because they love you. You can't stop your life because your parents will. In fact, you can't stop your life because anyone else will be unhappy. You just can't. Like, even with our kids, like, you know, um, there's a gentle parenting way, you know, but there's also, like, psychology around, like, how you want your kids to grow. And I love this one thing that was, if your child's doing something, you don't want them to say, oh, that makes mommy feel sad or that hurts mommy or daddy, you know? You don't want them to do or not do something because of how an external party feels. Because yeah. guess what? That's ground. That's laying ground for abuse. They're going to walk yeah. right into an abusive situation, right? You tell them why it's right or wrong because of whatever they're doing. You got to isolate it from yourself. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're their own people. They're smart. You know, you've taught them well. Trust that you've taught them well. And if you if there's anything that you don't want them fighting from somewhere else, you talk about it and get ahead of it. <laughs> you can get ahead of it. Honestly. It, the the more you can control that narrative. For sure. And that's just such a wonderful outcome for you that your parents did come around and you have like a bond with your mom that she you know, like she's grown with you and that's so nice to see. And I feel like we have some listeners that maybe they want to make this decision that that's easing their concerns as well. Cause you know, sometimes maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not moving out and maybe it's not a family member, but if they are a like truly loving, supportive presence in your life, maybe it will confuse them for a while, but eventually they'll be like, I see that you are thriving and you are happy that's what I fundamentally want for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, your outcome is very inspiring. And, you know, we've talked, we've kind of interwoven it in here a bit, but you do have two young children and just looking forward, you know, as they grow up, what are some key messages that you are passing on to them and what expectations do you have for them? If any, you know, I think as parents, we we all have our expectations of like how we want their lives to be. I, I think it's just there. So I'm trying to break out of the expectations. I think the, the traditional expectations, at least like my expectations of them are that they're kind, that they're respectful um, of themselves and others. I think then it's a desire. You know, like I want them to pursue whatever they want and know that I will support them with everything I have. Um, I want them to have a happy life, you know, where where they are safe, they're healthy, they're surrounded by good people. That's what I want for them. You know, if for them that means they're artists amazing like if for them that means they're a doctor amazing you know if that means they want to take a gap year after high school let's do it I will probably travel with you (laughs) like I 
I think this is also a generational thing. And also because we, as we look at like climate change, as we look at things like that, like I expect them to, you know, Bonnie Wright, you know, um, go gently, you know, I, she, so she wrote a book called go gently. It's in, and it's around like environmental conservatism, amazing book. And I, you know, using that in a sentence, I would want them to go gently, like care for the earth. This is your home. Um, you know, so those are my expectations. Like, I don't expect them to be a lawyer or engineer or doctor or anything like that. I do expect them to be kind, both inwards and outwards. And it's a very hippie way of thinking. That's what I think my parents would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everything you're saying is, is so important. You know, it's mm-hmm. not matters yeah who cares like how much money you who cares like how big of a house you live in if you're Mm -hmm. happy in a small cottage in Ireland baby that's what I want for you that's that's all I want for you is to be happy and to be around people who love you and care for you also that sounds awesome (laughs) yeah yeah I could go for a small cottage in Ireland right now (laughs) I'm tearing up because like I really do mean that and a lot of it Mm -hmm. I know comes from my own baggage and in a different life that I wish I had for myself but I I really do mean that nothing else matters Mm -hmm. yeah well you know Prita you're you're changing the narrative for for your life and your children's right and that I think is so amazing we always have such the best like best conversations whenever you come around we absolutely love it um so where can our listeners, I know you've been on here a couple times now, but for any, any new listeners who haven't heard your other episodes with us, where can they find and follow you? Yes, I have a podcast. I was describing, I'm currently on a little bit of a break, but I do have a podcast. It's called The Empowered Woman Rises. And I believe I have what, 22 episodes, like including two from the new season. And I'm on YouTube, Apple Podcasts. I also have an Instagram page, The Empowered Woman Rises. And I have a website where you can check out courses that I offer um, to, you know, help support you in your career journey, because I truly do believe in empowering women and, you know, changing the world to be better for women. And these are some avenues that I do that through. Well, uh, I think both of us can confidently say that you are 100% achieving that goal. You are incredibly inspiring and definitely our listeners, if you haven't already, go check out all of the platforms that Preeti has. You're very knowledgeable and you're a wonderful teacher. We've done one of your courses that you have on your website and you just, you have such an inviting, warm energy. People can learn so many different tidbits from you, like no matter what the conversation is, whether it's work or relationships, and it's just, it's amazing. So thank you for doing what you do. So definitely, if you guys wanna hear more from Preeti, check out her podcast, The Empower Woman Rises. You can get it on Spotify and such, but also you can check out her earlier episodes with us. The first one was episode 26, Facing Discrimination in the Workplace. And the next episode was episode 37, which was toxic relationships and the lessons that they've taught us. So that was a fun one. That was, (laughs) that was great. That is still like one of my favorite episodes and oh my gosh, the healing 
that was a therapy session. That was an absolute therapy session. And and Preeti, just to kind of extend on what Rachel said, you know, you yourself, you just bring this energy that, you know, we want to be around and, you know, we feel safe. Just just how you said, you know, you feel safe talking as we feel that right back towards you. And, you know, we love, you know, we're just striking up conversation and whatever crazy thing is happening in our world. And you're always there just to have the facts, you know, lay down <laughs> what is right and what is wrong. And we absolutely love you for that. Thank you. Oh, you guys are, oh, it's been a long week, but honestly, like you're making this like one of the best days I'm having. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like this little love fest that we're having right now. <laughs> it's so important. Compl- like, it's so important to compliment each other. It's so important to recognize, mm-hmm. you know, each other. We don't do that enough. Or or if we do, then we don't, like, accept it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let's compliment each other so much more. Let's share the love. Like, it's beautiful. And it's so nice. Absolutely. Rachel, you want to? Give our little exit spiel. (laughs) Yes. So if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also leave us a rating on Spotify. We would really love it if you would do that because it really helps out the show. And you can also send us an email. Our email is teawithlaurarachel at gmail.com. And if you want to have more of a conversation about this or anything we've talked about before, that is where you can find us. And with that, live like tea. Live like tea.